Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? BC here. I got another special guest for you tonight on my podcast. Uh, first and foremost, shout out to the team, the squad, Team BC. We're in 13 states now in the continental United States. If you guys are interested and you're in real estate, go to jointeambc.com and hit us up. Also, this serves as a final reminder. I'm doubling the price of my coaching tonight. So if you guys want to take advantage, go to briancasella.com or find the links on my Facebook or Instagram and get signed up. I've had about seven people sign up today because they don't want to pay double the price to so lock your price in tonight. All right. So I got Jason, the miracle kid today. Um, you know, somebody who I've known for years and I think now is the time to bring him on the podcast. So Jason, what's up, bro? Good to see you and uh, introduce yourself to everybody who's listening. Yeah, man, it's, it's good to be here. I'm glad to be here. I've watched you blow up. Like you said, we've known each other for a while. So I've seen you rise up in the ranks over time and it's, been a cool experience to watch man but for the people who who don't know me i know you introduced me as jason the miracle kid since then i've actually upgraded to miracle j now so kind of short and simple and yeah a bit about myself basically just to give you guys a background i'm a a number of things but amongst the most if a person was to look at me visually i'm not your typical person. I walk different. I look different visually because I'm a traumatic brain injury survivor. 2009, a car ran over my head, came with a bunch of challenges. However, I was one of the ones, one of the few that rose up and stepped up to the challenge and, and played and became something to myself. I love that, bro. You know, and, and one thing that we've been focusing on for years, and I want you to talk about this because I think it's really important is I remember at one point you said like the doctor said you weren't going to be able to regain mobility and they set a lot of limits for you that now obviously your experience of life and what you're doing has broken a lot of those barriers. Can you walk people through that, bro? Because what you went through, a lot of people will never be able to relate to that. So it, it's a testament to the power of the mind. But can you walk people through some of those steps that you took and what it was like and what they told you versus what you did? Because I think that's really important, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So all of the limiting things that they told me can basically be put under an umbrella of them telling me that I had a very slim chance of living. Period. They expect me to die. Fast forward, I came out of the coma, defeated those odds. Next was rehab. So this was a lot of work because the left side of my body wasn't working at all. I couldn't do anything with it. So it, it came with first the attitude because I was refusing therapy at first. I didn't want to work. I, I just wanted to feel sorry for myself. It was getting me nowhere. However, when I put my nose to the grind and, and decided that that wasn't how I wanted to live, you slowly see the progress as you put in the work and it's like a compound effect. It makes you want to do more and emotional challenge, physical challenge. But yeah, I don't know how far or deep you want me to go into it, but that was the overall. Yeah, I can, I can, I can um, you know, throw in some questions in there. What caused the shift from victim to I'm going to do something about it? Seeing the truth, seeing the truth that having a shitty attitude and feeling sorry for myself, not wanting to do therapy, fighting it, wasn't giving me any progress. 
And the way I was able to realize that and see that is because when I took on the other perspective, the polar opposite of that, when I was putting in a little bit of work and I would see my arm move, I would see my leg move a bit more and I would make the progress. And I'm like, okay, um, I changed my attitude. Now I actually want to work and I see the progress happening. So that was the shift. So. I love that, man. Now, kind of shifting the conversation, we can always come back to this. Uh, I know you're kind of an artist, right? And you've released a lot of actual songs. That's right. Right. Are you still doing that? Rarely, man. I really have to be inspired. I try to stay, quote unquote, in my lane. Mm -hmm. Because where rap music is nowadays, I I just don't fit. And I refuse to jump inside of that box. Mm. So if I'm inspired to do a song, if I have something I want to get off my chest, I'd make a song. Dope. What originally got you into that? Or was that something that you're always, always interested in and involved with? Eminem. Eminem? Eminem. It, it started back in elementary, actually. Dope. Like, what the hell are these kids doing with, with an Eminem CD? <laughs> I, have, I, I had a lot of anger and something inside of me resonated with Eminem and I I like the rhyme schemes and it was something that fascinated me so I, I took it and ran with it cool um so now you have evolved to Miracle J right right and what do you what are you up to nowadays nowadays I have my hands in a few things I'm enjoying creating I actually have my own podcast now with its own theme and everything i'm really enjoying that i'm going into different ventures trying to expand monetarily Mm. so i've I've tried a few different industries um insurance different jobs things like that and speaking mostly though i I really see myself Mm. because that's that's the big goal to become a a speaker and i recently had a, a big event that was pretty successful so that's right. Speaking of which, uh, what are you doing the 28th, this Saturday? The 28th, this Saturday. I'll be working early in the day and okay. then I'm free. Because I, I have an event here Saturday. If I fly you out, will you come speak? Definitely, man. Okay, cool. Then we'll talk after the podcast because uh, I definitely right. want to have you out, bro. If you can speak for 30 minutes or an hour, that'd be great. Um, yeah. Now, I know for a while you were doing uh, Toastmasters. Are you still involved? Yes, sir. Awesome. And I know you've been winning a lot of awards with that too, correct? Yeah. Yeah. How did that um, start and what kind of led you to really get deeper into that? Because I mean, I've seen you share a lot of the speeches that you've done and I've watched a lot of them. They're really good, man. Right. I don't know if it was you that sparked the idea or when I came down that time, I was already in Toastmasters. But what, what sparked my speaking journey really was I got really known at one of the rehabs I used to live at. A lot of people knew me. A lot of people admired me. So they called me back. They actually called me. And they was like, can you come out and and speak to the staff, speak to the people that stand there now? I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I go out, I speak, and the speech was gripping, man. The the reactions that I got from the patients, my mom bursting out in tears, it was just the impact. I saw the power and communication there. And from there, I knew that speaking was quote unquote my calling. 
you know, communication has been a focal point for a lot of us that came through AZD and IMC Nation, you know, and I think in, in our own worlds, all of us, because we can communicate at a higher level, we're having success, right, in our respective fields. How, I know you mentioned you, you want to dedicate yourself to speaking, how far do you see yourself taking this as your communication improves? Because I think that's a really important uh, thing to jump into. You know, I don't see any limits to it, man. I, in the past, I've, I've seen like, maybe I can get in a room full of people or something like that. Never would I imagine that I would be able to get paid for speaking. And the last event that I had did really well. So I can actually envision myself on a, on a stage in, of a crowd of 100 people or more um, influencing. I love that, man, because uh, my event on Saturday will have about 100 people, maybe a little bit more. So it's going to be cool, dude. Is there and, and let's jump into this topic, man, because it's important. Uh, when you first started, right, especially compared to now, what were some of the things that became very apparent to you as you began to evolve your communication that you had to work on like immediately? Well, one thing that was particular to me in my situation with a brain injury and someone had to point this out to me that my speech was really slow. So I, that was a big barrier that I had to overcome because I was in denial at first. And actually AZD called it out. I was in a, on an event with him and Vince Kelvin. He was like, man, can you speed up your speech? You kind of sound retarded. <laughs> I was like, oh man, for real. And after that, that's something that I worked on and it grew in, in it came into my conscious awareness and over time I was able to eradicate that. Cool, man. Now, how long into the journey did you really start seeing improvement, uh, especially going to Toastmasters? Cause very few people do it, man. I've been recommending that for years, but very few people do it. Did you start seeing results right away or did it take a while to really start getting some uh, momentum and improvement? I think momentum is the, is the big factor in that because when I started Toastmasters, I felt such an, affinity for it that I joined two clubs my club will meet every week I was speaking almost every week every chance I got so I think that momentum built on top of itself and I improved really fast really quickly really quickly and how are you leveraging that outside of Toastmasters and these groups to better your life when I was doing insurance I was giving a lot of presentations in front of people those skills definitely came to use mm. there. Also, the different projects that we do help me with storytelling and different things that I can pay attention to when speaking with people and interacting with people on a smaller scale, anywhere to a larger scale. The, the nuances, the smallest nuances make the biggest difference in how people react to your communication mm. and your influence that you can have over them. Right. You know, one thing I've said, man, and, and I don't know if you'll agree, it's like when you're a great communicator, it's almost like you, your physical being like disappears and you just become like this, this energetic force that people respond to. Do you kind of get what I'm saying when I say that? Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I've definitely been in conversation with, it's so funny, man. I've been in conversations with people where if they come to me, it actually happened not too long ago. I was sitting down and a girl came over to me and we were talking and when we got up to actually go, like, get something to eat or to a counter or something, she actually looked back at me and she was like, wow, I didn't even know that you 
walk with a cane. I didn't even know you that you had a, mm-hmm. a disability. And that, yeah. that was from my communication because you can't tell from when I'm talking. Yeah. I sound really intelligent. Yeah. Absolutely, bro. So what do you think it is, man? You know, people hear that story. I've been preaching that shit for fucking seven, eight years now or more to work on your communication. Why do you think people fail to see what you're describing and what I've been talking about for years, man? What do you think the missing link is? Maybe it's a fear or them not seeing, like they may see you speak or someone else speak and think that it was just a magic pill or you were just born like that. But if they would just take the first step and do like a, Mm. a table topic, speak for a minute and do that over and over and start seeing the small progressions, then they would be more apt to do it. But why people don't do it, they're definitely doing a disservice to themselves. Mm. I think it's fair. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, another topic I want to touch on with you, man, is kind of what we see in the culture right now with, um, you know, the emasculation of men, right? Uh, dudes being pushed to be like girls and, and vice versa. How important, because I know you've been a part of the beast camps and, you know, the certain type of philosophy that we run by, how, how important has that been for you and your development and growth, like really embodying the principles of being a real man and stepping up? Oh man, huge, huge, man. When it's invisible and you don't know, it doesn't seem like a problem because it's not really a problem. But when you actually see the other side, you see how much of a real, it is a crisis. You would think we're in a pandemic now. That is a pandemic. Not knowing what a real man is or having an example or seeing what it is. (laughs) Red pilling itself, man. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, body in that has, has changed me a lot on the inside and outside. Yeah. What are like one or two examples and maybe things that you changed or shifts that you kind of had and then the results that came from it? I would say, let me think of a good example. Internally, man, when you when you know these datums and, and what's really going on, you have more respect for yourself. Mm. You have a lot more respect for yourself and you have boundaries where you, yeah, I've set boundaries that I will not cross for any man nor woman. And this is, it happens to everybody, everybody out there. No one has boundaries nowadays. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't a stand up for himself. Again, walked over, walked on. Yeah, that's huge, bro. Cause you know, I, I can relate to that totally. In sales, a lot of people who work, especially in my industry and probably yours, they have no respect for themselves, number one. And number two, their clients and people just walk all over them and they act like that's part of the job when it's not. You know, when you look at the top people in any category, they have those boundaries and respect, right? And they don't let people walk all over them. Like the way I handle a client is going to be completely different than the average person in my industry. You know, they'll hear me say stuff to them and they're like, oh my God, he's saying that to his clients. It's like, well, yeah, bro. That's how, that, that's how a top dog speaks. That's how he walks. That's how he talks. That's how he carries himself. Right. And you have to embody those principles. But if you don't respect yourself, how are you going to step up? You know what I mean? And where is that taught, though? Right. Like that, that, that's that's the thing. So when you're out speaking and you're, you know, doing your thing, are these the types of subjects that you talk about? Or do you ever talk about this stuff? Or when you're speaking, is there any particular things that you focus on that you like delivering to the audience that you find like really important or captivating? Yeah, actually, yes, man, if. Because I learn about a lot of things. I know a lot about a lot of things. And if it's 
I get praised about, about my topics and information a lot because it's information not a lot of people know about. We, you know, learned a lot from Pablo. He taught me a lot about style. I've given speeches about style. I know a lot about the mind and subconscious mind. I give speeches about that. If there's a topic that's that's taboo, or I know people don't know about it. I'm, I'm, I feel proud to be able to deliver that information mm. to these people because I know I'm an effective communicator. Absolutely, bro. And I think you're a, a shining example of the power of the mind, right? If you could share, right? Because uh, I do this all the time. Is there anything in your mind, maybe in the last couple of years, or it could be 10, 20 years or whatever that you've thought back then you would never be able to do that now you're living it or you're doing it or you accomplished it? An easy one, the quickest one that comes to my mind is is the speaking example. Like I said, I never thought that mm-hmm. I would be able to get paid to do something that I love. Right. And every time that happens, it's like, man, it blows my mind. Yeah. It blows my mind because no one thinks they can get paid to do what they love. Right. They they know the concept, but they don't know that it's really, really possible. Mm. How many paid speeches have you done so far? I've given maybe, I think three so far. Dope, dope. So is there anything you're doing on your end to push and maybe get yourself out there more to to book more of these speaking gigs? It's really been being visible, Hmm. making sure that I'm out there, putting out my communication to people, making sure they can find me because I believe everybody has information is someone out there seeking you no matter who you are but if you're not out there you can't be found i've actually reached out to a number of hospitals and rehabs to try to speak there those weren't pay gigs but is any exposure is is a payment in itself absolutely you know i remember when i was building my resume I probably did a good hundred speeches before I ever charged people. And I was going everywhere, you know, car dealerships, boards of realtors, you know, like anywhere I would invite myself and say, Hey, let me go speak to your, your people. You know, I'll even provide lunch. I just want to talk about, you know, going door to door or making cold calls or communication or whatever it was. And eventually it flipped and they started offering me money. And then I started asking for money and that's how I grew it. But I did a good bro, believe it or not, about a hundred. I think it was like a hundred or 105 where I never got paid a penny before I ever charged somebody. And that's not including all the training that I did. Those were just the little, you know, free gigs that I volunteered for, you know, but then you get recommended to other people. One person recommends you to the right person and that person recommends you to 30 people. And then that's how the, the game begins, you know? So I'm excited, bro. So if you're down for Saturday, um, as soon as we finish this, I'm going to, I'll give you a call and we can chat about the details, but I'll definitely fly you out, man. And you can, uh, speak. It's about a six hour event for my people, dude. And I'll give you 30 minutes or an hour or whatever you can handle. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. man. Cool, man. So we'll wrap it up here. If you have anything you want to plug, bro, your social media or where people can find you in your podcast, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. So if you guys are looking for me and my content, you can find me on Facebook at Jason Phillips at J-A-Y-S-O-N, last name Phillips. Instagram is Miracle J. M-I-R-A-C-L-E, just letter J, 832. And more, mostly, 
I'd like you guys to check out my podcast, The Catastrophist. It's Catastrophe and Masterpiece put together, spelled C-A-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-I-E-C-E. Right now, I'm one episode in with a guest, as far as having guests, other episodes I did solo. And I'm looking, I'm hoping to have Brian on. <laughs> one day definitely man because it, so. it fits I, I just like to i don't want to take too much time but just go over the concept so basically the catastrophes is where i bring people on that have been through the less favorable conditions in their life mm. something that could be seen as a catastrophe mm. and they flipped it around and made it into a masterpiece and it served them in their life so it's catastrophe and masterpiece catastrophes Man, that's a clever ass name bro but of course you would come up with that <laughs> yeah yeah man. no bro well thanks for coming on man you know whatever you want me to plug just send it to me after we uh, finish this and i'll make sure to plug it in the description for you all right thanks for coming on man dope man thank you